Okay. So I have a little story for you. Um, A man came home from work, and he found his three children outside, still in their pajamas. They're playing in the mud, and there is food strewn everywhere. He goes into the house, and the house is a total disaster. It is such a mess. A lamp has been knocked over. The throw rug is against the wall. The TV is on with the cartoon channel. The kitchen dishes are filled in the sink. Dog food is spilled on the floor. There's a little pile of sand in the corner for some reason. He quickly heads up the stairs, worried that his wife is not okay and that something's happened. And all of a sudden he sees a little trickle of water coming out of the bathroom. He goes inside and he finds wet towels, scummy soap, and more toys strewn on the floor. He finds toothpaste spread on the mirror. As he rushes to the bedroom, he finds his wife still curled up in bed in her pajamas, reading a novel. She looks at him, smiles, and asks, how was your day? He looks at her, bewildered. What happened here today? She again smiled and answered, you know, every day when you come home from work and you wonder what it is I do all day. (laughs) Yes, was his incredulous reply. She answered, well, today I didn't do it. (laughs) And this made me think, Can you imagine what Christmas would be like without us ladies doing all that we do? It would be like the shot heard around the world. Our families, our churches, our communities, they would not know what happened. We bring beauty, some of you a lot more than me based on these tables, Um, We bring thoughtfulness, we bring food, we bring gifts that are actually wrapped. (laughs) Leslie Bella says, women secure the emotional well-being of family members by making relationships and caring central in all they do with and for their families. The significance of family events is not in the specific activity, whether a game or a family meal, but in the extent to which family members feel closer to one another and feel affirmed and cared about as a result of their participation. The events themselves are incidental to this deeper purpose. Family processes are valued if they affirm the relationships between family members and tell them they are significant lovable people. Women are such a gift from God to their families. They often coordinate or participate and contribute to these events at the holidays that can help to make people feel connected and loved. And I've always participated in and even coordinated some of these, but it's been helpful for me to think about the deeper purpose of making the people I'm with feel connected and feel loved as I'm doing these things. Proverbs 14.1 reads, The wisest of women builds her house, but folly with her own hands tears it down. This home building 
or family building, God calls wise and good. And so as we each consider our activities for our families and friends, I think one of the very most important elements is the actual specific family and friends that God has given you. What siblings, what in-laws, what parents, what children, what spouses, what church family, and how can the things that you do at Christmas build them up and build you together? How can you love the people that God has given you to love? This can be things that specifically help us enter into celebrating Christ, like reading the birth story or doing Advent candles and discussing the meaning. Or it can also just be the things that we enjoy doing with our family, like games or watching a movie or having a meal. Although uh, it does seem to me, I I thought it was funny, my sweet mother-in-law came today, and I thought it was funny that she is a a sweet reminder to me that we must hold all um, activities and traditions loosely. (laughs) We have to hold them with open hands, because I am sure that for her, she would have continued happily the tradition of Christmases in Oklahoma. Um, But her son went and married a girl from Texas. (laughs) Uh, And then went and had some grandchildren that lured them here to Texas. And, um, And so I think it's an important reminder and such an example that we can love traditions, but we have to love people even more. And the traditions can change because the people change. And um, we love the people involved even more, even especially if it's the grandkids. (laughs) Um, Christmas is also one of those times where we have to choose to be thankful for our family just the way they are. We can have lots of ideas about how it could be or should be um, that are based on the movies or the past or what works for other families or just how we might like it to be. So I have this Christmas dream in my head from the book Little Women. I, uh, it's the scene where they are um, singing Christmas carols and then they break out dancing, and I think it's just the most magical Christmas moment, and so I have this dream that maybe maybe my family will one day do this. Um, but this is a real problem, um, and I probably need to rethink putting this dream upon my family because, let's see, no one in my family plays piano. I truly cannot carry a tune, and my son hates to dance. But I like seriously, as we are trying to decide if our children are going to do piano lessons, think, if they do piano lessons, then I might get this magical Christmas moment. So you see how at Christmas I can go a little crazy and I can change it from building up and bonding the family God has actually given me, like the word of God commends to instead trying to make myself and my family something we're not. Bella says, uh, we expect Christmas to be a happy family holiday. Yet from my own personal experience, 
I know this happiness requires work, and even then is not always attainable. Christmas seems to epitomize and bring into focus both the visible physical work and the invisible emotional work that as women we do to create happiness in our families. In this family work, we experience both joy and resentment, and both emotions are heightened by Christmas expectations. Christmas can celebrate and affirm all that is positive about our family and the relationship between family members. Alternatively, Christmas can confirm that our family is struggling. Christmas culturally puts impossible burdens on women to achieve a perfect Christmas in a less than perfect family. I can remember even as early as my teenage years, this strong desire to celebrate Christmas and make Christmas magical for my family and for us to find ways to celebrate Christ in special and meaningful ways. But it was just my dad and my brother and I, and they would not cooperate. Uh, And the reality of our life, since my mother had died, made trying to create a magical Christmas like I had in my head impossible. Christmas confirmed the love that was strongly there but it also confirmed the struggle. And through that and many, many other family experiences and through friends sharing of their experiences, the Lord has been kind to help me to genuinely come to believe that Christmas is not about creating a happy holiday. Christmas is not about whitewashing ourselves or our families to make things pretty and perfect and without hardship or sorrow for this week of the year. If things had been perfect, then Jesus would never have been born. We don't need a perfect Christmas because we have a perfect Christ. Christmas is about a Savior who really sees people. He sees me. He sees my family. He sees my church. He sees you. He sees our sadness and our happiness. He sees our loneliness, and he sees where we feel known. He sees where we're hurting, and he sees where we hurt others. And he enters into that just as he entered in on Christmas morning into humanity. And he takes that upon himself. The glory of Christmas is Christ. Our hope is not in if we get a Merry Christmas. Our hope is in the Son of God who came to earth to be born and lived a perfect life and who loves us and who loved us so much 
that he was willing to die on the cross for us. I still, whenever I stop and think about who Jesus is, how is it that the rightful king of the world would die for me? It shouldn't be. How is it that the rightful king of the world would die for his people? But this is what he does. This is his love. And his death on our behalf declares from the courts of heaven that we are forgiven and not guilty. That is our hope at Christmas. And I think at Christmas, we look to Easter. (laughs) Jesus conquered death. Jesus rose from the dead. He brings victory. And I will tell you that there is something about the stress of the holidays and interactions with family um, that makes me feel my need for Jesus. Um, As it says in our church bulletin each week, I am weaker and more sinful than I ever believed. But through you, I am more loved and accepted than I ever dared hope. Thank you for paying my debt, bearing my punishment, offering forgiveness and new life. So that all who call on the name of Jesus have peace. Peace at Christmas. Peace all year. Peace with God. This is our hope. If you need peace, turn to Jesus. Those who trust in the Son have peace with the Father. And anyone, all can say to him, pray to him, I turn from my sins and I receive you as my Savior. I receive you as my new life, as my forgiveness. Christ is the glory of Christmas. Salvation is our greatest gift. And because Jesus is the glory of Christmas, I can worship him and celebrate him no matter my circumstances and no matter what the people around me are doing. This year, I am finding fresh hope, not in my family cooperating, uh, because they won't, (laughs) or in my circumstances being ideal, because they won't be, but in resting in Jesus. And when Christmas this year both confirms the great love that is there, but also the struggle, I can remind myself that this is why Jesus came. He came because we need him. And when I see any love or beauty or peace this season, I can say this is why Jesus came. He came so that one day, once I die or once Jesus returns, the examples that I see of beauty won't be glimpses. They'll be in completion. They'll be full. This beauty 
can remind me that a day is coming where all will be beautiful. And on the flip side, when I see the hard things in life, illness, pain, a hurtful word, selfishness, I can remind myself, this is why Jesus came. He came to take away all of the hurt and pain and sadness. And that one day, there won't be any more of this sickness that hurts others and tears them down. This is why Jesus came. Okay, so I have two little stories about Christmas that I want to end with. One um, was a post that I saw online. It was a picture of this woman behind a beautiful holiday table with a gorgeous uh, meal set in front. And it was her adult daughter posting about it. And she said that her mom had made everyone else get out of the picture because ain't nobody helped. (laughs) Which I thought was hilarious and is also something to which we can say, this is why Jesus came. Jesus came because sometimes we don't help when we should. Uh, And Jesus came because, um, unlike this woman, I get more pouty than witty um, when I have to do things by myself. And this is why Jesus came. Ain't nobody helped. Uh, (laughs) And finally, I want to share just about last year's Christmas Eve candlelight service that was right here in this room. And at the very end... Everyone lights their candles. And the room is so dark, but the lights are so bright. And we stop and we sing to Jesus, silent night. And we enter in to loving him and worshiping him. This is why Jesus came so that we would love him and worship him. This year, may each of us enter into making much of Jesus in our hearts so that our circumstances and our family don't have to cooperate. (laughs) Because they won't. (laughs) Um... Jesus is bigger than that. He's better than that. May he be what brings us joy. May he be what sustains us. Okay, let's pray. Heavenly Father, how did Jesus Come to the earth for us. How did he choose to love us so much that he was willing to give up everything, that he was willing to sacrifice everything? Our hope is so great because he is so great. And Lord, I pray that you would help us to love our families as they are and not in how we want them to be. 
You love us as we are (laughs) and not as uh, we would even like ourselves to be sometimes. You are our hope at Christmas. May we rest in that. In Jesus' name, amen.
Is it a story that's too good to be true? Maybe you're thinking. Well, what would happen for you to consider that Matthew's account is true for a day? How would that change things for you? In other words, have you dealt with God or are you punting on God this Christmas, leaving the holidays to nothing more than pomp and circumstance? If the incarnation is anything for us, it is another opportunity for us to deal with God as he is asked to be dealt with by coming to earth in the flesh as a human being. It is not something that we can ignore. Do not make the mistake of making the manger or the nativity scene out to be this cute, cuddly, precious moment collection. Instead, the manger scene should scare you to death. It should bother you. It should haunt you. At the very least, it should make you uncomfortable. And my only request is to let it. Let it. This is God's way of saying, I want you to deal with me. What is the incarnation about for you this Christmas? Second, what are you looking for? You might have guessed that one. What are you looking for? And if it's not God himself and the person of Jesus Christ... What are you looking for to rescue you from your sin, to bring you salvation, to make life all work out for you? And maybe another question to follow that is, why haven't you found it yet? Could I suggest that what your heart is truly looking for this Christmas is a Savior who truly can make sense of this life? Who can answer life's most fundamental questions? Who has said by his coming to be with us that before you ever decided to deal with me, this Savior has said, I have chosen and committed myself to dealing with you. By dying for you. See, Jesus, what the incarnation says to us is he is not ashamed of you. He's not ashamed of you. He's committed. He's done this. It's happening whether you choose to deal with them or not. And the question that leaves us with is, what else? Are, what are you looking for outside of this? What more could we be looking for than what we are given on the pages of Matthew as Mary is with child? Given to her by the Holy Spirit. The problem with the virgin birth for us, especially for those that don't believe, is that if Matthew's account is untrue, then your problems and my problems still do not go away. Sin and brokenness still remain. You are still looking for salvation, looking for life to work itself out somehow. But could you consider Jesus as that somehow this year? An invitation to stop looking and to find yourself, to find your life, to find your story. Caught up in Emmanuel himself, the God who has come so graciously to deal with us. So what are you looking for this Christmas? Because as it turns out, Christmas is really about someone who has come looking for you. It's the same thing that Joseph found out. And as Joseph would would be told, you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this account and we thank you for how you are not concerned at all with the complexities of how you have written your story to redeem all people. We are the ones with the problem. Lord, would you give us eyes to see and ears to hear 
uh, what you are doing in this account. Would you give us the faith to believe that this child is who, that he, who you say that he is, that he has come to be with us to take away the sins of this world? Would we fall more in love with that story, the story of a God who comes looking for us as we figure out whether or not we're looking for him? And would we deal with you as you have asked to be dealt with and not to be ignored because of your incarnation this Christmas in new and in fresh ways? Would you be gracious and merciful to us in that way? We pray this in your son's name. Amen.